You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. And along with co-host Joe Koss, they break down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering The Conservative Conscience. Welcome back. It is May 15th, late on Monday. Happy birthday, my son Ezra. And I must tell you, I'm already in a bad mood, and it's only Monday, and that is not good. (laughs) You know, all through last year, the acrimony of the primaries, the split within the conservative base, I noted to a lot of people that, you know, there's one worse outcome than having Hillary Clinton win. There really is. There's having a Republican win, having that guy for the most part be a liberal, the few issue, issues for which he's a conservative, we never really enact those policies because of some things are his fault, some things aren't, but we never get them. And if anything, all they stand is to all, all they serve as is a mechanism that paints the broader liberal stuff with the banner of conservatism. We get blamed for it, and you know what? You get Democrat rule with an even fresher mandate. Remember, Hillary Clinton, you know, would have been bad, but Republicans would have had Congress no matter what. Uh, she could have been neutered. She would have started off as the most unpopular president ever, even more unpopular than Trump is. Democrats didn't want her. Corrupt as anything. Now, <laughs> not to say that, so in 2018, 2020, what? Then we get good Republicans? Well, look, it gives us more time to fix up the party. Not that we probably could. But look look what we are on the track of being confronted with unless we actually demand a course correction. We are getting the disaster, all the scandals, all the unpopularism, all, all the unpopular nature of this presidency. In addition, we're getting all the liberal policies on the things that matter. You look at the fire of what is enacted. Don't look at the smoke of the gestures, the posturing. And we're going to discuss some of the specific stuff. But you look at what's happening. We're going to lose for what? At least get our policies in place if we're going to be unpopular for them. But what this does is it's enough that it gives the other side the impression that you have a real right winger in office. It it really uh, juices up and energizes their base. Our base is kind of in an awkward position because on the one hand, they think we're getting what we want, but we're not really getting what we want, so they're not energized, but they're not mobilized to demand a course correction either because, Daniel, at least it's better than, than, than Obama. We don't want to complain because we could get Obama or a Democrat. So that's where we are now. Now, one of the things... I want to use at least our case study for today to discuss what's going on is Israel. I have a piece coming out, about seven, eight observations. There's a lot more. I I couldn't really do it more, but just because it was already 1,200 words, and uh, I already write too long on a daily basis, and you know it's never good to write too much in one piece. You lose the, the audience. But there is so much going on there. He has basically adopted the entire premise of this Palestinian hoax crap. 
Palestinian state nonsense. I can't believe it. I mean, I could believe it because I actually predicted it. But, you know, this is what happens when all conservatives are like, yes, Mr. Trump, save us from Hillary. And they don't demand concessions from him from a conservative side. And, and, and when they actually start to see him going south on it, they don't demand a course correction. They're like, well, Daniel, we should be happy he's not like Obama. Well, the truth is he's not much better. They're now playing hardball with Israel over the embassy, using that as a negotiation chip to demand them to come to the table and give away Judea and Samaria. By the way, as they celebrate next week the 50th anniversary of recapturing Judea and Samaria in a defensive war, we're going to link to in the show notes. I'm just going to make a note here to remember so I don't forget the piece on, on the Palestinian hoax. I did a podcast Back in December, if some of you you remember, I I believe it was the last podcast of 2016, where I went through 45 minutes of the history of the land and everything that happened there. For him to buy into this is, is sickening. To invest American capital... In creating a new terror state. You know, he promised to put America first. To, to stop this nonsense of getting involved in Islamic civil wars, building up Afghanistan for nothing where there's nothing to build, building up Iraq, building up Syria, building up Somalia, building up Yemen. And he's going to engage in the ultimate deal, what he calls making the ultimate deal, the ultimate nation building, is creating a 24th Arab state and a second Palestinian state, the first being Jordan. This is not just about Israel. This means you fundamentally don't get Islam. This means you don't get Saudi Arabia, which, by the way, it's no coincidence that that is his first foreign policy trip of, the, of his presidency to visit Riyadh. means he doesn't get the Muslim Brotherhood because Hamas is the Muslim Brotherhood. And the PLO is Hamas. Same thing, cut from the same cloth, just some you know sectarian differences they have. This is the problem. So we could sit and talk about Comey all day. We could talk about, oh, well, oh, Trump's doing, oh, uh, Trump created a commission to study voter fraud. See, I mean, this is a perfect example of how the policies he actually enacts are liberal, but he'll always distract us with some sort of talking point that conservatives can say, oh, look, look what we're getting. And, you know, the left will criticize it. Then we have to defend it. And look what we're getting. What a waste of time. And by the way, you know, What about proposing legislation? We have not had a single legislative victory. The House is doing nothing. I don't want to hear about Congress being a separate branch of government. For the last time, when you are president and your party controls the majority in Congress, you set the agenda. Not constitutionally, but politically, that's usually what happens with both parties. What about legislation? We have some ideas in my book, Stolen Sovereignty. Stopping uh, counting illegals in the upcoming census. That would be a great piece of legislation. Fixing the motor voter laws and and the 2002 America Votes Act that the courts are using to misinterpret, using ambiguities in statute to block states from enacting voter integrity laws. How about stripping the courts from jurisdiction? You know, that's another thing. As we're talking, the Supreme Court refused to overturn the Fourth Circus, another big story where North Carolina's voter ID law is thrown out, which, by the way, that law single-handedly wasn't just voter ID. It was early voting and all sorts of things in there um, that pretty much ensured 
that they lost the governorship. It's proven demonstrably. There are more votes cast from same-day registration and these voting anomalies that were created by the courts against statute than um, than 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 the 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 margin. I'm sorry, the margin of I was going to say the, the entire election, obviously not, but the margin of victory of Roy Cooper over governor or former governor now McCrory. So we lost the North Carolina governorship, very pivotal state, because of the courts. How about Congress stripping them of jurisdiction over election law? And that's another piece I have out. Maybe we'll link to in the show notes. In in the Georgia special election, this is no joke. This is the next big election. Oh, you know, even though the Republican candidate is milk toast, but everyone's putting their stock into that. Well, that will be the harbinger for the midterm elections. That special election in Georgia's 6th District, the courts just kept registration opened for another couple of weeks there so Democrats could flood the zone in the runoff. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with having more voter registration if that's what the state votes on, but it's against statute. So there's a lot of legislative fixes that they could be proposing. Again, all smoke, no fire, but distract us. Ooh, with that. Oh, another thing. There'll be a lot of talk, I'm sure, on conservative talk radio that, oh, isn't it a refreshing change, you know, how Trump lit up the lights of the White House in blue in honor of our police. (laughs) Great. I mean, this would all be good if he was enacting conservative policies and fighting for them and not enacting liberal policies. Again, because don't point to me, oh, well, he did this and that. Well, you don't have to enact any liberal policies. You know, not all conservative policies does he have a time to get to, could he be succeed at, but you don't. Again, this this is the answer when a lot of people say, well, there's too much. What do you expect him to do? Well, you're right. I don't expect him to have time for every last priority we want to affirmatively enact, but I certainly don't expect him to downright take the opposite side of an issue. That's not a time issue or a burden issue. That's an issue of having the wrong values and the wrong people around him. But they'll always distract us. Oh, yeah, you know, he he went to a rally in Pennsylvania with blue-collar uh, voters instead of going to the media correspondence dinner. Lovely. That's the icing on the cake if you freaking have the cake. But if you don't have the cake and you have excrement, well, it's nothing but ice cream, ice, uh, ice cream icing on uh, excrement, which is worthless. And not only is it worthless, it's exactly that. It's icing on excrement. It dips our icing in feces. It dips gold in feces. I've been using that line for a while. Because there's one thing if it's 100% liberal, this administration. I, I, at this point, I'd almost rather that to be the case. All right, then it, it's not blamed on us, and then we just disown it. But the problem is he's taking conservative positions on some high-profile issues in a very ceremonial way. Oh, I'll have a commission investigate voter fraud but doesn't actually do anything, and then the stuff he does is all bad. You know, even even on the criminal justice side. Now, I'm going to caveat this, that this is a media article, and I need to substantiate it, and I have not independently confirmed it. I've only seen it at Axios.com, a new up-and-coming breaking news outlet. Um, but, you know, don't, don't shoot at me, oh, everything's fake news. I mean... We're learning a lot of the liberal stuff he's doing is real. So, you know, maybe I wouldn't give it credence. I wouldn't have given it credence three months ago, but now I do. But anyway, 
they were saying that you know he's upset with a lot of his cabinet, and one of the people they listed was Jeff Sessions, working on undoing the jailbreak, soft on crime agenda, while Jared, who's the president by default, is working on criminal justice reform. I mean, again, I would say maybe the media is making it up, but what what do they have? What reason do they have to lie about him being liberal? I could see them lying about criticizing him for being too conservative or you know making up a scandal. But on policy, I, I don't see that. And also it makes sense because we know Jared is working on that. And, and you want to talk about utter betrayals. I mean, if there was one issue, you know, I mean, I pretty much predicted Trump's presidency exactly how it would come down. But it's even I'm even impressed because that was one issue I thought he'd always be solid on crime. But no, because when you don't have any principles and you never ask God for forgiveness and you're proud about it and you talk about GQ and Playboy all day and you don't share our values, I don't care about the few issues that you'll publicly espouse our way. If you don't share values, if you're not a valued-oriented person, even the things that you kind of consistently were good on, you're not good on because you're not going to fight for it and you're going to take the path to least resistance. You're going to... Go with the flow of the swamp, and you're not going to drain it. This was obvious to anyone who wanted to open up their eyes. The problem is you still have people that don't want to open up their eyes. And like I said, this Israel issue, that was the very last high-profile issue of this presidency, of of Obama's presidency. I'm sorry, Obama's presidency, that we all got up there and yelled, how dare Obama tell the Jews where they could live? Trump's doing the same thing. Where's our side? It's so nostalgic because if nothing embodies the old adage of the more things change, the more they stay the same, I don't know what does. This was the very last act of treachery of of John Kerry. There's also another very important aspect, this Israel thing, which is that Israel is one of the few issues that binds all Republicans. Every Republican is legitimately good on this. McConnell, Ryan, you know, now, like any other issue, are they going to fight for it in a meaningful way and actually do what it takes? You know, no. But values-wise, they're there. As opposed to marriage, cutting spending, limited government, free markets, conservative health care, where they're not there. Um, You know, here they are. So what I'm trying to say is this is an easy issue. This is a layup. This is something where every Republican is going to be with you. Um, Even some Democrats on the face of it have to pretend to be pro-Israel. So if there is enough momentum in this administration to pull him to the left on an issue like this and obsess about the Palestinian peace process, gosh, what does that portend for values issues? for free markets, for cutting spending, for the budget. Taxes. Oh, he's going to give us tax cuts. Really? You can imagine the issues were to begin with. There's very little Republican positive energy and certainly a only negative energy from, from the Democrats on it. Where do you think he's going to land at the end of the day? That's why this betrayal on Israel is so important. So watch our uh, website, Conservative Review, um, we're going to really be focusing on this in the coming days. Obviously, with Trump's first foreign policy, his his first overseas visit, 
our foreign policy correspondent Jordan Schachtel is is better than anyone on this. He's just awesome. Really glad we have his talent here. And and Levin's going to be all, all over this, which is why you got to get your subscription to CRTV. And by the way, before I forget, I'm excited to announce, finally, they gave me my own promo code. I don't know what took so long, but promo code Horowitz, H-O-R-O-W-I-T-Z, promo code Horowitz, get $10 off your subscription. I guess that means it's only 89 bucks for an entire year of content. The only good news you'll see on TV, not that it's good, meaning stuff that will... Uh, be proud of going on in our country, but at least you'll know the truth. At least, uh, you know, we're not going to sugarcoat it in this R versus D uh, phony game. We're just, we're just, uh, we're just not going to do it. I'm sorry, not at all, not for a second. I mean, we are not going to sugarcoat the truth here, and and, and that's the reality. <laughs> when you obsess about, oh, at least he's not Obama so much. You know what? Ironically, you come pretty close to Obama. And we're left with a 36% approval rating. For what? For what? For keeping Obama's amnesty in place? For keeping the Paris Climate Accords? For keeping the peace process? And actually obsessing about it more than anyone else? For what? Kissing up to Saudi Arabia? Getting our troops involved more in Afghanistan like McMaster wants? That McMaster guy is, is, is evil. I'm sorry. He is the embodiment of get involved in every Islamic civil war taking refugees from both sides of that Islamic civil war, kiss up to Islam, and be so worried about our troops that are now in precarious situations, walking on eggshells in every part of the Islamic world, that, guess what, we have to throw Israel under the bus. That's exactly where McMaster's coming from, and he now controls Trump's foreign policy. So that's with that. That's with foreign policy. couple other items, housekeeping items, and I just want to close before I move on to the Alabama Senate race, which which is really the antidote to this, and it's just the embodiment of this discussion. I just want to paraphrase an email from a friend of mine. I'm on some email chains just to see how they're buying into it, and... You know, when even Ann Coulter who was with Trump from day one, even in the primary against Cruz, realizes, uh, dude, I wrote a book on in Trump we trust instead of God we trust. Well, I'm screwed. It's shocking that even people that were with Cruz during the primary, so a whole bunch of people were into this binary nonsense. Oh my gosh, Hillary, oh my gosh, we gotta get on board Trump. Okay, I, again, and I said this at the time, I'm not bashing that view. I respected both sides on the debate. I just warned people, you know, I'm not saying this is going to happen. I fear it's going to happen, and I think now it is happening. But you could have the nightmare scenario where he is so unpopular, we don't get the conservative policies out of him. We get liberal policies pushed by him, but then it's blamed on us, and Democrats come back two to four years later with an even bigger mandate and a fresher voice that's harder to fight against. So you got to look at this as a four- to eight-year proposition, not a you know just what's in front of you that month. But nonetheless, okay, fine. They voted for him. But the problem is so many of these people never got off of that mode. Like, yes, Mr. Trump, Mr. Trump. Oh, I'm, I'm shocked that this is happening. Oh, Mr. Trump. Yeah, people around him are bad. We, we have to d- – d- don't, don't, don't criticize Mr. Trump. Like, you idiot, get a grip. You yourself recognize that he was a fool in the primaries. I understand you tried to make a pragmatic choice in the general election, but now that the election's over, are you forgetting everything you yourself realized? But I see that from a lot of people. So this – 
friend of mine emails, I'm inclined to give Trump every bit of support I can muster. Election commission. So, so again, the, the list, the list of stuff. Election commission, judges, prison reform, religious freedom, executive order, regulations, taxes, more employment, jobs, new FBI director. I'm like, I don't have time to go through all this, but taxes, uh, why don't we wait until it actually comes out? What happened was when he had that sketch, we tried, we, we wanted to praise it here at Conservative Review, and then we sat down crunching numbers, and we're like, unless you draw the brackets in a specific way, and they didn't tell us where the brackets are, this could be a big net tax increase. So the devil's in the details, and you know I'm not very hot on that. Religious freedom, gee, uh, I think we spoke about that last week already, that it was so bad that the ACLU said, our work here is done, no discernible policy outcome. Um criminal justice stuff yeah i mean that's all sessions but according to latest reports he's not happy with that and is having jared work in the other direction in the long run who do you think is going to have the more say sessions or jared judges gee if what's going on in the courts now doesn't prove my thesis that you're not going to change the court by appointing better judges not that i think all of his judges will be will necessarily be great some of them are i don't know what does prove it this Supreme Court case with the Fourth Circuit and the North Carolina voter ID law proves it. There's always excuses, even when the courts may be a five to four on our side, they won't take up the case. This is a, this is a classic example. New employment, give me a break. Blaming, you know, the stock market skyrocketed for most of uh, Obama's presidency too, and we said that was foolish. So, so to go and give Trump credit for the immediate employment boom. As he comes into office, I mean, come on. I'm not going to blame him for bad. I'm just saying it's 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 too early for that. We, we, we would have said the same thing if a Democrat were president. New FBI director? I mean, gee, uh, I'd, I'd praise him for getting rid of Comey, but then he contradicts himself five times as to why he did it. So he looks like a fool. It looks like he's doing it because he's worried about his own hide. And then... New FBI director? Well, let's wait to see who he uh, appoints. Um, you know, all the names I'm hearing, Mike Rogers and Townsend, I mean, some really bad names there. I'm not hearing good names, at least not at the top of the list. So, you know, let's wait to see what happens. That's, that's the thing. There's so much smoke. I mean, he might do this. He might do. But what he actually does is bad. Election commission. We spoke about that already. He's not proposing legislation and demanding that the House pass it. It's a commission. Jeez. I, I just, I just, I don't know. I just don't know. I don't, I don't know what to say. Soft bigotry of low expectations. This is where our people are. And this is why you have to support Judge Roy Moore in Alabama. This election coming up, I want to say this. I have a piece coming out. I don't have time to go through all of it, but you have to read it. This is the embodiment of what we're up against. What happens? The establishment runs on our issues. They get elected. They do the opposite. Or when they have the opportunity to block bad stuff, they refuse to touch it. Then they come back home and don't run on, oh, yeah, you know, we changed our mind. They continue to run on our issues. So this establishment puke Luther Strange that was put in there by the corrupt Governor Bentley that now resigns in disgrace. He goes and puts out, he's already up with millions of dollars of ads from all his lobbyists, running on what a conservative he is. Oh, I cleaned up the mess. And literally lies. 
even liberal columnists in Alabama are making fun out of him. He showed fake news clips, fake, like, like as a caricature. They never existed. He fought gay marriage. So not only do these guys, you know, you think, okay, they don't believe in our issues. They'll at least distract us with shiny objects and just won't talk about our issue either way. But no, they have the chutzpah to go and run, run ads on our issues and lie. In fact, when Luther Strange was attorney general, the most pivotal position in the state when it comes to this issue, there's a headline. You want to talk about a newspaper headline. There's an authentic headline we linked to in our article. Luther Strange mum as Judge Moore suspended for standing up for marriage. And not only that, he actively went when the gay marriage decision came down from Obergefell, while Roy Moore was putting his career on the line to actually implement what we all say we believe in. But we don't. Luther Strange said it's the law of the land. Not Alabama's law, meaning Obergefell, Anthony Kennedy's garbage. Folks, if this is not, this is our Elijah on Mount Carmel moment. Are you with God or are you with Baal? You, you cannot have a better representation of not just what the establishment believes in, but the duplicity with which they fool primary voters using the lobbyist cash that they get precisely because they're going to do the opposite, but to run ads saying they're with us, embodied in Luther Strange. And what we actually believe in, not just in voice, but in practice, would judge more. Folks, you know what to do here. You're all asking me, Daniel, this is all... Everyone I speak to says, Daniel, now I'm thoroughly depressed after talking to you or listening to you. Well, you want to send a message that not, not just the Democrats, not just the establishment, but the Trump, the Trump establishment, that none of them are fulfilling the campaign mandate. Judge more for Senate.com. You know what to do. Now, I want to close with, with this thought. And, and, and by the way, the other thing you guys need to do is support our sponsors, not just CRTV, but Birch Gold Group. Get your 16-page guide for how to invest in gold and silver, not just direct precious metals, but in IRAs. Diversify your portfolio. There's nothing better if you're looking for retirement. I wouldn't put all my money by a long shot in this. You don't want to put it in anything, but I sure as heck wouldn't put it all in stocks. Um, and this is a great way to diversify your portfolio. This is what I'm doing. Um, to be fair, I have not bought any you know, their direct precious metals, but I, ha I have, and I am putting money into an IRA. For, I don't have a 401k, but I do have an IRA. Go to birchgold.com forward slash CR, B-I-R-C-H gold.com forward slash CR to get your 16-page guide that reveals how gold and silver can diversify your portfolio and protect your savings against the dumpster fire that, by the way, is going to happen. This debt bomb, because neither party is speaking to it. And until we get a new party off the ground, um, we are going to have currency problems. We are going to have a debt problem. We're going to have an interest on the debt problem, an entitlement bomb. So I hate to say it, but gold is always a good hedge against that. Just back to the Alabama Senate race. Some of you have asked me on social media what I think of Mo Brooks getting in the race. Now, let me be clear. In any other race, I would have been beating down Mo's door to, to get in. 
I like Mo. I've worked with his office on stuff. He's one of the better members of the Freedom Caucus. Um, you know, he's a, he's a good guy. I, I have nothing against him. Only good things to say. You know, part of what's wrong. I, I I spoke to a reporter, a political reporter, about this. He called me up, and I, I said very straight up. Part of what's wrong with politics is that it's it's all about you know politics. It's not about principle. So once your guy gets in, the, you, you support a certain candidate, you're automatically going to trash the other guy. You know, even if you wouldn't have otherwise done that. And and that's the thing. If I had nothing bad to say about him before, I'm not going to have anything bad to say about, about him now. But I just say this. I mean, it's like if you have Michael Jordan, why look elsewhere? Nobody has done what Roy Moore has done. Nobody speaks to what he speaks to on the core issues of judicial tyranny and the issues that are getting ignored. And, and again, you know, I'm, I'm sure Mo Brooks is good on marriage and he's not PC and I mean, dude, this guy has already done it for us, and he literally just did it now. And there was such a betrayal in Alabama there that all the elected Republicans sat quiet. Frankly, I didn't hear that much from Mo Brooks. Um, I have to check on that again, but I don't remember hearing a lot from him. But that, that is a disgrace. You know, 14 years ago when, when, when Roy Moore lost his job because of the Ten Commandments – a lot of people spoke out. Now nobody did. For nothing else, that's why he needs to be U.S. Senator. You know what I mean? It, it, it's like, I, look, I love Mo to run for Shelby's seat. But if you have Roy Moore in, 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 running, I, that, that is a revolution. He already, you know, he, I, I, and especially because he got in first, I just, I don't see why Mo is getting in other than splitting the vote. You know, his own poll showed him at 11% and Roy at 30, leading the pack, 10 points ahead of Luther Strange and Del Marsh, the other establishment, main establishment candidate. So I just don't, I don't understand the rationale. If this is really about principle and not just personal ambition, I just don't understand it. I, I literally, I mean, I, I'd love to hear his side of it, but I just don't understand why get in other than, you know, you, you really don't have much of a path. It's it's a very quick timeline. The election's in August. It's a special election. It's all about name ID. Mo really has very low name ID outside of Huntington in the north, and Roy has a hundred percent name ID. So with uh, you know both the state establishment dumping so much money into Del Marsh, federal establishment dumping money into Luther Strange. I mean, you're going to need a lot to go up against that. Now, Roy's not going to have the money either, but Roy does have the name ID and the notoriety of what he did among the conservative base, evangelical base in, in, in Alabama. So just from a pure horse race perspective, I mean, there's one thing if you have a, a great, you know, principled conservative, but he's kind of flawed and he's not pulling well and he has some conservative segment, but doesn't look like he can, he can get anywhere. You're scared of him losing to the establishment. You're like, look, I need to get in. But that's not the case here. It's the opposite. I mean – um, Roy has, uh, Mo has a much bigger hill to climb here, and you know the best he can do is just split the vote and drag down Roy and, and ensure that neither of them get into the runoff. Um, and and you have two establishment guys. Now, with that said, look, now that he's in, he's in. I wish he wouldn't have gotten in. So I I wish him luck to the extent that rather than having two establishment guys win, I'd rather both. The two of them win. I mean, <laughs> that would be the best choice that you could possibly have, a choice we've never had before, two great guys in a runoff. But with that said, I, I, I just don't see the rationale. Um, you know, Mo never did what he did. Now, 
look, if he would have been in that position, would Mo have done the same thing? I don't know. <laughs> but it's pretty tough. But Mo's good on marriage. Well, I'm good on marriage too. But I never did what 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 Judge Moore did. Only he did that, and he's running. So why why don't we take yes for an answer? So that that's my answer to you. Um, I I just don't see the rationale there. And you know, one other point I just make. I know a lot of inside DC conservatives are like, I don't know. I'm scared of Roy Moore. I don't know. You know, there's a lot of uh, it's too hardcore there. Um. As if to say that they're scared of what the establishment might throw at him in a runoff, and we might lose the runoff or maybe even the general election. You know, So first of all, obviously I disagree with the notion that some of the things he said about Islam and other comments Roy Moore has made, culture war type of comments, is going to hurt him in Alabama. But to the extent you're going to say this baggage, I got news for you. You know, Mo Brooks has, has those statements in, in spades. He has said all that. He said things like the war on whites. Now, again— I, I don't disagree with it. I, I, I love Mo. I agree with him. I, I'm just saying if that is your hit against uh, against Judge Moore, you're going to have the same problems with him. So with less name ID and the fact that Roy Moore is already in the race, why get in? I'm just I'm just not understanding that. Um, You know, wait until next next time it's up, you know, four or five years from now, start running for Shelby's seat when he retires or if he doesn't retire, primary him. If this is about principle. I'm just saying he has a house seat that he has for as long as he wants. A very safe seat. Roy Moore just was suspended, lost it all, fighting for the very things Mo says he's going to be for. But he he sacrificed himself for it. And, and, and he decided to run. So if you really feel pained by what happened to him, if you feel pained by gay marriage, if you feel pained by judicial tyranny, you would stand with Rory Moore. Why, why reinvent the wheel and just divide the vote? Again, I'm trying to get in his mind from a principled – look, email me if you disagree, if you have a principled way of making the case for him. Um, I, I just don't see it. Again, I'm not saying – I'm not bashing him as a, as a congressman, as a conservative. Um, I, I will not do that. But just a principled case for a rationale for why you should run, I don't get it. So um, anyway, those are my thoughts. But folks, if we don't shake it up and change the narrative here, we will be left with all the vices but none of the virtues of this presidency. That's the story. Until next time, God bless. Thanks for listening to The Conservative Conscience. Conservative Conscience.